Welcome back, everybody, to another bonus episode. This is the second sermon that I gave just last week, and it is based on Psalm 91, and we hope that you enjoy it. everybody today it's so exciting if you I saw some new kiddos so I'm going to go over kind of a typical usually okay first of all for the new kids I'm Kylie Owens I am the children's ministry director and typically when I see you I would immediately go up to you and show you everywhere to go but today I am filling in for Pastor Matt again at the pulpit, so I couldn't really do a typical runaround like I would normally do. So I have a few people that will help guide you back as well as you go follow the rest of the kiddos out. And so preschool and nursery, if you so choose, are already back there, but our uh, kindergarten through sixth graders, they usually wait in service until after worship, and then they go upstairs. And then on fourth and fifth Sundays, K through sixth grade stay in service because we want to remind them that they are part of the big congregation. They're not just uh, little people that we wanna shove away. We want them to be a part of the service because we love them and we take, here at Trinity, we really take heart that we are in charge of helping raise up the next generation. And so, welcome to those kids. And then if you have kids that choose to stay in service and they don't have, like today, if they're nervous to go upstairs or anything, that's okay too. So. If a baby cries in the middle of the service, that's okay too. Like we are, it is a, we are a family church. And so I just wanted to reiterate that uh, as I see some new faces. Okay, you ready kids? Ready to pray? All right. Dear Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to just live another day for you. I thank you for each and every one of these kids here. I pray that they hold in their heart what their teachers are going to be teaching them today because it is your truth. And I am so excited just to see them continue to grow in their faith, Lord. It's just a beautiful thing to see the faith of a child. And we can learn so many things from them. And I pray they never lose that childlike faith. No matter the trials that lie ahead of them that they just hold on to what is the one thing that will always be consistent, you. So Father, I just pray a blessing over them, that you continue just to raise them up to be the people you called them to be, Lord. It is in your name we pray, amen. Have fun. Oh, I teared up, thank you. (laughs) If anybody didn't hear that, My child just said, I'm surprised you didn't cry. (laughs) And I said, I actually teared up a bit. Thank you. (laughs) One day he'll be just as emotional as me. (laughs) All right. They're making their way out. Okay. I'm back again. I'm so sorry Pastor Matt's not here yet, but he is making his way back. I know he's in the States and I know he's not home, home, but he is in the States. I talked to him yesterday and he was in Boston. And then, uh, so he will be with us next week, Lord willing. And I also know that Roger and Beth are doing well as Roger is, they are over in Germany as Roger is speaking 30 times in 21 days. And I still can't wrap my mind around it, but it's something that I think that would be 
really fun to try. <laughs> it's just crazy enough for me to want to try it. <laughs> but just, but for real, really just keep praying for them, pray for their health as they're traveling and just um, be with Roger as he, uh, pray for Roger and his wisdom as he's sharing uh, the knowledge that he has to the people of Germany. There's a lot going on in the world right now, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Psalm 90 and 91 was put on my heart when I initially found out that Pastor Matt was going to be traveling. Um, th there's just so many things that we can, we can hang on to these script, the scripture anytime in any age, but this specific time, how wild is that? It, to me, it's a God thing. So last week we talked on 90 and I kind of want to recap that because it kind of goes into what we are going to be talking about today with Psalm 91. And so we talked about how Moses stood in the gap for the Israelites and prayed for the Lord to satisfy them with his steadfast love because he knows that that's the only way that they will be glad for all their days. Moses knew to ask God of this because he revealed chesed or loyal love to him as part of his character in Exodus 34, six. We also discussed that we sometimes do not accept God's chesed and because of that, we find ourselves spiraling. I wanted to do this short recap because of this connection coming up that we will talk about throughout 91. I also want to mention before reading 90, Psalm 91, there is a little bit of a debate who actually wrote Psalm 91. Some say Moses, some say David, some say Moses started it and David finished it. Some say Moses uh, put the outline together and David did his uh, little thing to it. But so it's a mystery, but we can know that one of the two were the writers. Any, either or, it's a beautiful Psalm that we can all take comfort in. So I'm gonna read Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil will be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. He for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will, you will tread on the lion in the adder and the young lion in the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. This is a very, very tender psalm that describes the confidence a believer may have through all types of dangers and challenges. Last week, we talked about the challenges that the, fresh, that the flesh bring on. 
But this week we will be discussing the trials that Satan truly throws at us that are not of our flesh and or trials that happen because of the fact that we just live in a sinful world. In verses one and two, we can see that the Lord is a secure defense for those who take refuge in him. A great truth laid down in general that all those people who live in a, a life in communion with God are constantly safe under his protection and they may therefore preserve a holy serenity and security of the mind at all times. That's just in verse one that we can see this. <laughs> he who dwells, that sits down, in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty, meaning he that by faith chooses God for his guardian shall find all that in him which he needs and desires. It is the character of a true believer that he dwells in the shelter of the Most High. He is at home in God, returns to God, and reposes him in, in him as his rest. He acquaints himself with abiding in Christ and makes heart work of the service of God, worships within the veil, and loves to be alone with God, to converse with God in solitude. It is a, number two, another thing we can look at and note here, it is a privilege and a comfort of those that do so that they abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He shelters them and comes between them and everything that would bother them or is bothering them or annoys them or angers them or worries them. He comes in between them, whether storm or sunshine. Did you know you could seek refuge even if you're not in a storm? In the sunshine, God still wants you under his wing. You can still rest in him. They shall not only have an admittance, but a residence under God's protection. He will be their rest and refuge forever. You can always call on him, rain or sunshine. I think that's the best news we could ever get. <laughs> The psalmist's comfortable application to himself, you read in verse two, I will say of the Lord whatever others say of him. He is my refuge. I choose him as such and confide in him. So others make idols their refuge, but I will say of Jehovah, the true and living God, he is my refuge. Any other is a refuge of lies. He is a refuge that will not fail me for he is my fortress and stronghold. That's what the Psalm is saying. When we grab onto the idols of this world, thinking that it will bring us comfort, even good things like people, like people around us. A lot of times we, if we're going through hardship, we gravitate to our friends and family, right? Be, I think we do this naturally because they're easier to gravitate to. Man is a little noisier, right? We are noisier than God's we get more people's attention than sometimes God because we're so distracting. But God says there is no reason to question his sufficiency. In him I will trust. If God is our refuge and our fortress, what can we desire that he doesn't offer? He is neither fickle nor false, neither weak nor mortal. He is God and not man. And therefore, there is no danger in being disappointed in him. We know whom we have our trust in. And I do, I think we, a lot of us get wrapped up in wanting to comfort as well. 
because you know, if you're a fixer, I, I tend to naturally want to fix things. I will run ahead of God because of that. Even if it's not for my own plan and my own um, advancement, it's I see a friend who I hate seeing upset. And so I want to do the best I can. And I try to bring them close to me. And I'm like, how are you? And I'm like smothering them sometimes. But here's the thing. I can give all the advice in the world and comfort in the world, but I, I need to remember, we need to remember and remind them that if they are not being fully sufficient on God, any advice or comfort that, the, that we can give will go void and eventually not be enough to stay within the realm of peace. And then there's another thing here. We humans, I think I mentioned this already, we sometimes get the wrong advice. <laughs> we might have all the good intentions, but we're given the wrong advice because sometimes we like to butter things over because we don't want that person to be mad at us. But sometimes they need to hear the hard truth and then our wrong advice leads them to prolonging restlessness. But God will never and can never deceive. It's against his character. And we see that in verses three and four. And the best advice that we can give in these situations, whatever, whatever it is, as long, we, as long as we direct them to God and God's comfort first, we can get the best advice people can give is whatever directs someone to God's comfort. Those who have himself themselves found the comfort of making God their refuge cannot but desire that others may do so. I think it's a natural thing we want to exude. And I think when we try to fix or comfort, and even though we're well-meaning, I think that's actually a part, a characteristic of Christ coming through his image bearers. But we aren't all knowing like him. <laughs> so that's where the part where we, caught, we could potentially prolong restlessness this promise projects the natural life and is often fulfilled in our preservation from those dangers in which they are very threatening. I skipped in my notes, I just realized, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I skipped the sins. That believer, so, okay. Here are a few different promises. That's why it threw me for a second. I flipped down to my second promise. The first promise is that believers shall be kept from those mischiefs which they are in imminent danger of and which we would be, would be fatal to them, as we read in verse three, from the snare of the fowler, which is laid unseen and catches the unwary prey on a sudden and from the noisome pestilence which ceases men unaware and against which there is no guard. This promise protects the natural life, and is often fulfilled in our preservation from those dangers which are very threatening and very near, while yet we ourselves are not apprehensive of them. Any more than the bird is of the snare of the fowler, we owe it more than we are sensible to the care of the divine providence that we have been kept from infectious diseases and out of the hands of the wicked and unreasonable. The second thing this promise holds and we can see is that the spiritual life, the spiritual warfare, what goes around us that we actually can't physically see, but we can see God's protection, but we cannot see 
the terror of the night, which is protected by a divine grace from the temptations of Satan, which are as the snare of the fowler and from the contingent of sin, which is the noisome pestilence that we read about. He has given grace to be the glory of the soul who will create and will create defense upon all that glory. There is actually so much of the spiritual realm that I really could talk about, but one, I don't wanna freak people out who aren't into this stuff, but two, I think we, we are just kind of desensitized to it because we don't talk about it a whole lot. But in history, you can see they talked about it and they knew about it. They talked about the Canaanite gods coming into camps and harming children in the marital bed. And, I don't, and this is what they talk about when they say the terror of the night and the arrow that flies by day. This, that's a reference to that, those situations. But what I think is ironic, what are the two biggest things that we are still attacked today? In my opinion, children and the traditional marriage, the biblical view of marriage. Because what, what's the two things that could take people down the most? A messy marriage and a, chi a child being attacked from a young age and not understanding things. The next promise, that God himself will be their protector. Those will be safe who have in him for their keeper and successful for whom he undertakes. We read that in verse four. We can see that in verse four. He will cover you. He will give you refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. With the greatest tenderness and affection, which is imitated in that. He will cover you with his feathers under his wings, which alludes to a mother hen gathering her chicks. And we can see that in Matthew 23, 37. By natural instinct, the mother hen not gathers her chicks under her wings and not only protects them, but calls them under that protection when she sees them in danger, not only to keep them safe, but to cherish them and keep them warm. To this, the great God is pleased to compare his care of his people who are helpless as the chicks. Isn't that something? Have you ever thought of yourself as, a, as helpless as a baby chick? It kind of makes you humbled, right? <laughs> that God sees us as these little baby chicks that needs taken care of because we can be easily preyed on, but we are invited to trust under the shadow of the wings of the divine promise and providence. I'll be happy to be a little baby chick in God's eyes if I can huddle under him and under his wing. With the greatest power, wings and feathers, those spread with the greatest tenderness are yet weak and easily broken through. And therefore it is added. This is, so that might've sounded contradictory there, but I wanna hear, you hear this added, this add on. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler, a strong defense. God is willing to guard his people as the hen is to guard the chicks and as able as a man going to war full of armor. A third promise, that he will not only keep them from evil, but from the fear of evil. And we can read that in verses four or five and six. Here we see the great danger supposed 
the mention of it is enough to frighten us. Night and day we lie exposed when we are retired into our, chamber, our chambers, our bedrooms, and have, we feel all safe and cozy in our beds. But yet, there is terror by night. You know, we think, we lay there and we can think about these things. Thieves, we think about thieves, robbers, winds and storms. Uh, besides those things, there's creatures that fancy our imagination which are often most frightful to us. The things that we imagine ourselves are scarier to us than somebody coming in through our house. Because I actually think my imagination gets away from me and the creatures that I come up with myself in my head. I rarely think of somebody breaking into our door. I'm more concerned about what's going on up here. There is also a pestilence that walk in darkness as that was which slew the firstborn of the Egyptians and the army of the Assyrians. No locks nor bars can shut out diseases. While we carry about with us in our bodies the seeds of them, but surely in the daytime we, we can look about us and we can, are not in so much danger, right? We, there's an arrow that flies by day too though. And yet it flies unseen. There is a destruction that wastes at noonday, it says. When we are awake and we have all of our family and friends about us, even then we cannot secure ourselves or nor they can secure us. Parents, I know you're probably like, my kids. <laughs> but here's the thing. They are a gift from God to us. And we know that he loves them more than we love them. And that is hard to imagine, but we can rest in that. But we see a great security promised here to believe, to believers, sorry. In the midst of this danger, do not be afraid. God, by his grace, will keep you from worry and fear in the midst of this. Wisdom and faith shall keep you from being afraid. You should not be afraid of the arrow, as knowing that, though it may hit you, it cannot hurt you. If it takes away from the, away the natural life, it shall be so far from doing any damage to the spiritual life and its perfection. This body is temporary. An arrow cannot do anything to our spiritual life. It cannot do anything to our soul. A believer needs not to fear and therefore should not fear any arrow because the point is off. The poison is out. Oh, death, where is your sting? It is also under divine direction and where and will hit, will and where hit, will, will and where and will hit. Oh my gosh, why, that does not sound right to me. God appoints it. That's where I'm getting at. God appoints the arrow <laughs> no matter the direction. Every bullet has its commission. Whatever is done, our heavenly father's will is being done. He's allowed it to pass through his hand. He's allowed it to pass through his hand. And we have no reason to be afraid of that. We can trust that his plan is still in motion. De de despite the, the fear of the world, despite the sickness that's in the world, the sin that's in the world, that's death that's in the world, we can have confidence in knowing that his plan, his will is being still fulfilled. Our fourth promise that we can see is where we see in verse seven, that they shall be preserved in common calamities in a distinguishing way. 
when death rides in triumph and diseases rage so that thousands and ten thousands fall, fall by sickness or fall by the sword of battle, fall at your side, at your right hand, and at the sight of their fall is enough to frighten me. And if they fall by the pestilence, they're falling so near to me, be likely to infect me, yet it will not come to me. The fear of death will not. Those that preserve their purity in times of general corruption may trust God with their safety in times of general desolation. The sprinkling of the blood secured the firstborn of Israel when thousands fell. It is promised to God's people that they shall have the satisfaction of seeing not only God's promises fulfilled to them, but his threatenings fulfilled upon those that hate them. And we see that in verse eight. It's where the vengeance is mine. He's saying, he is the God of just. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the just reward of the wicked which perhaps refers to the destruction of the firstborn of, is, of Egypt. And that's like kind of a reference back there, assuming. By the pestilence, which was both the punishment of the oppressor and the enlargement of the oppressed. This, it, this is what Israel saw when they saw themselves unhurt, untouched, as that last plague came through. They saw with their own eyes the divine protection of the Lord. The damnation of sinners that with their eyes shall be hold and see the reward of the righteous. We see that in Luke 13, 28. So it will magnify the salvation of the saints that with their eyes, they shall behold and see the destruction of the wicked. If you're a person that really likes to see justice fulfilled, it will be. And it will be, you will be in the place where you won't even care anymore. There are a few more promises to the same claim with those in the foregoing verses. And they are exceedingly great and precious. One of them being the psalmist assures believers of divine protection from his own experience and that which he says is the word of God and what we may rely upon. Number two, the promises that are sure to all those who have made the most high their habitation. The Psalm closes by laying out what trust in God looks like. Hold fast to me, love me, know my name. And it calls all calls to God, like, please know my name. And by repeating God's pledge to care for his faithful ones, deliver, protect, answer, be with him in trouble, rescue, honor. Such a person will have long life, which is a reference to eternal life, and we will enjoy God's salvation. 
what does it mean to enjoy God's salvation? What does that mean to you and I? My opinion, it means to let God be God and you be who he created you to be and to walk in the freedom, knowing that you were dead in your sin and yet God said you were worth it. He sent his son Jesus to come die on the cross for you and even better, everyone, all humanity. That's how simple it is. Let God be God. And we walk in the call that he's created for each and every one of us. And here's where it gets even crazier. He didn't just die, come back to life, ascend for nothing. He sent a helper down to be with us so we could communicate and feel those wings wrap around us even more. He didn't just say, okay, I did my part. See you when you guys are dead <laughs> and walk away. <laughs> No, he said, this all happened, but I am still here for you. I am your refuge and your strength. So when the storms of life come crashing in and the waves keep knocking you under and you're trying your hardest to keep your head above water, just know this, when you cry out to God for help, he will always be there to help you if you allow him. <laughs> I want to emphasize those, every word. You have to believe that what he says is true. I talk a lot about this with dreams and desires of our hearts, but I think we can also sometimes dream up what it will look like for God to calm our storms. Therefore, answering him and not letting him be God again. <laughs> We actually tie it to our desires a lot of times. A lot of times our solution looks like finally getting pregnant after a long struggle of infertility, allowing the adoption to pass through. Our kids turning to God, saving the marriage, getting the job, quitting the job, healing our loved one. I could go on and on. You can insert your, whatever is applicable to your life because it works. <laughs> But we have to remember in the midst of the storm, the reality of what's going on at all times is God's plan. And yes, I believe in free will. I believe that with my whole heart because I don't think this could work any other way. So there are storms that God lets come into our lives because he wants to show us something or grow us or to help us to fall even more in love with him. And he does that by doing one of two things. He either calms the storm or he calms his child. Calming the storm may look like this. He performs an absolute miracle. You finally get that, that positive test. Your, your loved one's cancer magically disappears with no explanation. And through that, his name is glorified. But then there are times when we see the second path. He might choose to calm us instead, his child instead of the storm. I believe 
This is war where warriors are made. Warriors for Christ are made. And I'm not calling myself a warrior after following this, but I am going to get a little personal and I know my testimony best, so it's what I can speak on the best. But I have experienced both these paths. I've experienced a lot of amazing miracles, but I have experienced way more of him calming me amidst the storm. I know what it's like to be on my literal knees fighting for my family, screaming to God to bring them back in the middle of a horse pasture. I know there are some of you in here that are going through very similar pains. And I know it hurts. I know it sucks the life out of you. Your clear thinking is gone. You want to just throw in the towel. You're angry. You're jealous of everybody who has everything you want. <laughs> because, and then they're not suffering the way you are suffering. So then that adds more. Then you're, you're angry. And the next thing you know, you're, you're feeling bad about being jealous and angry. And uh, you're, it's just this vicious cycle. And there is only one who can break it. And that is the miracle. That's when you get your miracle. When you lean into God, when he is calming you, he is the one that will break that cycle. And to me, it is a miracle because we are stubborn people. We read that in Deuteronomy. He talks to Israel and he's telling them that they're, I think it's Deuteronomy 29, 29, where he's like, hey, I didn't tell you everything because you're stubborn and you wouldn't have listened anyway. So why lay out the path directly for you and just accept the fact I'm a mysterious God? When you rest in Jesus, all of a sudden it feels lighter. If not, disappears altogether. You realize the big plan that is going on in the background is his plan. And I believe to every pain there is a purpose and he uses that purpose to accomplish his will and that is enough for me. Now, now it is enough for me. Hasn't always been enough for me, but it is now. And I hope it's enough for you too. But don't get me wrong, things still hurt. But it isn't gonna stop the call of the God has on my life. And I don't want it to stop the call God has on your life because our calls are not pocket dials. They are on purpose. <laughs> he means it. One of my favorite, favorite women is Elizabeth Elliot. I think a lot of people know her. <laughs> and she said it best. This is one of my favorite quotes from her. This is where faith begins. In the wilderness, when you are alone and afraid. When things don't make sense. This woman knew how to rest under the Lord's wings. She has one of the most amazing stories. She, she was the wife of Jamelia, if you do not know. They were both 28 years old when they went down to Ecuador and they were, their life's mission and goal and they were so excited about was to evangelize to the Acua 
Indians or Aka, or the Aka tribe in Ecuador. They were only 28 years old when Jim was martyred. They had a 10 month daughter, 10 month year old daughter. And yet, even though Jim was speared by these people, she went back, laid him to rest in the US, and she went back to Ecuador and to finish the mission because the call didn't end with Jim's death. It was still ongoing. She had every right, her, the love of her life and her, her friend's husbands were all killed by this tribe. And yet for two years, this woman lived with that tribe that killed them. And there is a picture out there of the very man that threw the spear at her husband holding her daughter. Man. Jesus didn't calm the storm here. If he did, to me, that would look like he would have survived. Jim would have survived. He calmed his child and gave her strength and refuge when the waters got too high. I, I can't imagine her being able to do this any other way other than because she was under the refuge of the Lord's wing. And I just want you to know that you have that option too. We all have that option to seek refuge under the Lord's wing. The question is, are you gonna tap into it? Are we going to allow ourselves to protect or, or allow the Lord to protect us from the terror of the night and the arrow that flies by day? I beg you to please tap into it. I promise you that it is life-changing. We need to be satisfied with God's cohesed love in order to understand this refuge and strength. Sorry, I gotta need this. But that's the connection point between the two. Last week we talked about God's steadfast love, his cohesed love. And what that leads to is us understanding that that love is a protective love and his wings are open to us. And when we hover under his wings like little baby chicks, we can withstand any storm. Whether he chooses to use the miracle of calming the storm or honestly the miracle of him just comforting us amidst the storm. Because think of that, that's a miracle in itself. The creator of the universe wants to comfort each and every one of us, wants us to hover under him and be with us in our day-to-day -day life. He wants to direct our every single step. And we can have peace with every single step. Even when he's asking us to take a step of faith, So, Pastor Matt will be back next week, but I would like for you guys to continue to think about this, the past two weeks. Think about and reflect daily on his cohesed love and his, his refuge that he extends to us. Use that in your daily life.
Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the love that you extend to us, even though we are undeserving. That your peace is so sufficient that that's all we need. All you ask for is us to just trust in you. You don't even, you don't even ask us to uh, climb a mountain. <laughs> you just ask us to renew our minds in your word and in you and our heart and that we just faithfully take a step toward you every day. And Father, I just pray if anybody here who does not know you, that they take that step and come to know you. As, we talked, as I talked about at June's funeral yesterday, Lord, those who are sick are no closer to dying than we are today. Those who are older are no closer to death than those who are younger. We are not promised tomorrow. So Father, if there is anyone in here who just needs to know you more, I just pray that they come to find you. It is in your name we pray.